Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. My name is Ryan Walker. I'm excited to talk with you guys this morning. Um, We're going to be talking about John the Baptist. And if you weren't here last week, we did a little bit last week. Um, That's on our podcast. If you download it, it makes me look a little better, I think, just because people are interested. But um, if you want to listen to that, but here we're going to be talking about kind of the second act of the John the Baptist story. And and so I'm just going to kind of give you a little background of what we talked about last week in case you're not familiar. John the Baptist comes into this story, and he's one of the first characters we meet in the New Testament, because his role is to prepare the way for Jesus. God has this grand plan, and the whole Old Testament is God working this plan out in muddled ways with this people of Israel, who are his called people, and he's trying to bless them. He's trying to do everything he can to love this people, and they're just so stubborn, like all of us would be, right? And so over and over again, It's like, okay, I'm going to send another prophet. I'm going to send another prophet. And eventually, God is like, okay, I'm sending my son. I'm sending Jesus. But before I send him, I want to send one last prophet. I want to send one person who's going to, their role is to prepare the way for Jesus. And so that's John the Baptist. And so we talked a little bit earlier about John the Baptist's ministry last week. And John the Baptist's ministry was he goes out into the desert And he's baptizing people, and he's just preaching. He's saying, the kingdom is near. Repent and be baptized. And it's hot. I mean, people are coming. People are getting baptized. And eventually, as he's out here doing his ministry, Jesus shows up. And this is Jesus, adult Jesus' first kind of debut, right? We saw the birth story, but we don't know what he's been doing. And now it's his debut, and he comes out there to be baptized. And when John sees him... He knows something's different. And as he baptizes Jesus, Jesus comes out of the water, and the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and rests on Jesus. And God says audibly, where John can hear it, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And John, whose role is prepare the way, says this is it. He's the one. And he shouts out to everybody where everyone can hear, behold, the Lamb of God. And he ushers in and shows everyone, this is Jesus. And then Jesus' ministry takes off from that moment. And so that's just some background of what John's been doing. We're going to catch up with John here as we talk today. So let me pray, but I wanted to give you some background. Let me pray. Jesus, we just ask today as we read this story, it's the story of John the Baptist, but really it's the story of Jesus. And I pray, God, today as we read this, as we read your word, would you put in our hearts an understanding, a new revelation today, a fresh look at who you are. God, amen. So I want to start here with a little public service announcement because it's Christmas time is coming. I want to give you a warning about something you don't want to do. You don't want to give a bad Christmas gift. Who's, who's given a bad, let's be honest, who's given a really bad Christmas gift? Who's gotten a bad Christmas gift? You notice more hands went up. That means the first group had a lack of self-awareness. Okay? Let me tell you something. You've given a bad Christmas gift. You may not know it to this day. But people give bad Christmas gifts, and it's always for the same reason. 
Let me tell you first about some of the bad Christmas gifts I've gotten. And, and by the way, these are not mean people, right? These are not people who, if any of my relatives are listening, hey, I understand. I've done it. But here's the reality. Aaron and I got married in 2010. And the first Christmas I spent with her parents, they knew me, but they really didn't know a ton about me. Is that fair? Anybody ever been in that situation? So we show up for Christmas, and they give me a couple of, like, really, really nice, like, shirts. And I'm just like, man, I, I might have dressed up the first time I met y'all to impress you, but this is not, I don't, I'm not going to wear it. <laughs> they give me, and they still to this day, God bless them, they give me something having to do with basketball. Because I think the first time I met them, I talked about basketball. I love basketball, but I don't want basketball things every Christmas, right? But here's the topper. My brother, the first Christmas Aaron's with our family, my brother gives Aaron, some of you guys aren't even going to get this reference, he gives Aaron a pack of garbage pale kids. No way. Let me tell you, let me fill you in for the, for the millennials in the room. Garbage pale kids were these little trading cards you could get in like the 80s. And they had these, you know, Cabbage Patch Kids were like the hot doll in the 80s. Every little girl wanted a Cabbage Patch doll, these beautiful little dolls. Garbage Pail Kids were like someone, some artist, some graphic designer had taken a uh, Cabbage Patch doll and made them just horrendous looking. They were like eating garbage or something like that. And it was like this, you know, gross out thing. Every fifth grade boy thought it was cool to have this gross out Garbage Pail Kid. Erin opens it and man, she did, I mean, she did an admirable job of like, oh, cool, that's a throwback. What a fun little memory. Like, what do you say? Like, oh, man, this, these are the ones I've been looking for. <laughs> Let me update my collection. But that's real. And so the revelation, the thing I needed to tell Alan at that moment was, hey, you need a little refresher on who this person is. You met her and picked up out of some random details. She was born in 83, so I guess you thought I'll just roll with that. And that's all I need as I'm picking out a gift. But sometimes we all need a refresher on who this person is. Here's what's going on with John the Baptist. John's been doing his ministry like we talked about. And John is a prophet, right? John is one of God's prophets. And so John's kind of black and white, right? True and false. And Herod the Tetrarch is out there one day. And he tells Herod, you're living in sin. Because Herod, Herod had married his brother's wife, and that was not okay with what had gone. It was, a, it was a bad situation. And John said, that's sin. You're living in sin. Well, people in power don't really like that. Anyone notice? Anyone got in the pattern? People in power don't really like that. So John gets thrown in prison. Herod has him arrested and thrown in prison. And meanwhile, remember, John's here to prepare the way. The one he prepared the way for, Jesus, is off to the races. Jesus is preaching, he's doing miracles, he's healing people, he's got his disciples, he's sending them out, they're doing miracles. It's like cool stuff is happening. But I want you to imagine if you're John the Baptist and you're sitting there, you're in prison, you felt like, and at birth it was prophesied, this is going to be the one who prepares the way for the Lord. And he's out there doing this and the guy shows up and you hear the audible voice of God. This is my son who I'm well pleased and so if you're John, it's like, man, this is going well. And then Herod shows up, and you're like, well, I've got to be me, so I'm going I'm to tell the truth here. And now he's in prison. He sees Jesus doing this stuff. And so here's where we enter the story, and this is Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 2. We're going to pull it up on the screen. It says, now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, 
he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Let's look at that question for a second. Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And who the person asking the question is John the Baptist who's standing in front of everybody and says, behold, the Lamb of God. So what is up with this question? Can we leave it up there, actually? Can we leave it up on the screen? Just to, we're there. So what is up with that question? Are you the one, or, or should we expect another? Has John, is John losing his mind? What's going on? And so here's some things I think are going on with this. I think part of this is John really wants to know the answer to a different question. But he knows he can't ask it. And that question, I think, this is just my, is, why am I in jail? a fair question. Hey, I prepared the way, did I not? Look, I'm eating locusts. I'm living in the desert. I did every single thing. John even, in the earlier, two of John's disciples turn and walk away towards Jesus. And John's like, awesome. So John's done everything. And he hasn't just done everything. He's done everything for the person that he believes is the Messiah. So let's talk about Messiah. What does that mean? And the belief that the Jewish people had in the Messiah as they read the prophets and the book of the law, and they had an understanding that God is sending one. God is sending Messiah who will save us. And so if you're living in first century, where they are, the thought, the presumption was, in most people's minds, Messiah is going to kick out the Romans, we got these Romans living here, and it's oppressive, and there's all these, we don't like these guys being in charge of us. And so John is sitting there. He's in jail. The Savior, the all-powerful Messiah is here, and he's out doing clinics, healing people, and I'm in prison? Think about how those circumstances feel to John. And so he's really thinking, why am I in jail? But he decides, I'm not going to ask why. I'm going to hit refresh on who this person is. I thought this person was the Lamb of God. I saw that, but now what I'm seeing doesn't add up to that. A lot of us, the temptation when something doesn't add up in our lives, when we're at a, a point where we're stuck, we're hitting a wall, the temptation is to ask why. And let me just tell you, why is not going to bring you the comfort that you desire. And John knows, man, I've got this big why question, but the answer lies in one thing. There's one thing that's going to answer all of this, and it's who is that person? I thought he was the Lamb of God, but that was a while ago, right? And so now I've got to ask, and I've got to hit refresh and say, who is this person? Because I had some expectations. I thought when Messiah shows up, man, things are going to get awesome around here. There's not going to be prophets sitting in jail, right? It's going to be good stuff. The good things will happen to the good people. And that's not what's going on. And so John's got this tough question. He sends us, he's like, hey, I guess, look, maybe I missed it. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe he's another prophet and there's going to be a third guy. Send, hey, you guys, go find him, go ask him. So they go out and they ask Jesus this exact question. And let's go to the next verse. And Jesus answered them. And the answer is, a classic Jesus for you. Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. 
The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. We'll read that last line in a second. But just think about that answer. Jesus said, hey, look around. Look at everything that's going on. And I want you to go tell John the things that are happening right now. Because John knew the Scriptures. And in the Scriptures, this is the stuff that described the Messiah. And so he's not just saying, hey, don't worry about it. Stuff's pretty good. The cool stuff's happening. He's going, no, no, no. You go tell John this stuff. John has a picture right now, and his, his view is this big in his little prison cell window. And he sees what's going on, but he doesn't see the big picture, right? And when you, when you're, whenever you're stuck at a why, and you're stuck at a, a, a position where you don't, it doesn't add up, and everything's not fitting together, a lot of times it's because your perspective is very, very limited. And you're looking at the, the things right around you in your own circumstances, you don't see this picture. And so Jesus tells John's disciples, go back and tell him, this is what's going on. And John's going to know immediately, this is Messiah stuff. But he's also correcting a little bit, and he's saying, hey, this is what was promised. Some of that Rome stuff, you guys kind of made some of that up, right? There's some stuff in there about the kingdom coming, and all that's going to play out. But you guys have a version of that, of how God will do stuff that's a little bit of you. He's being gentle. You kind of made God in your own image a little bit. A lot of times the expectations we have in God are not the things he has promised. They are the things that we would like to happen. We have expectations on Jesus where we take a real promise because there are real promises. We have things we can bank on that God is going to do that Jesus says, if you seek me, you will find me. There are real things. But sometimes we kind of extrapolate some details. And we say, well, what that means is I'm going to get this promotion. What that means is my kids are going to behave when I ask them to behave. Well, that's not really what's in here, right? And so we, we see that stuff not happening, and we're like, well, what, what's going on? Is, is God really who he says he is? And Jesus says, hey, let's, let's go back to who I, I'm supposed to be. Right? It doesn't say I'm getting John out of prison on a certain date. Find that in the Old Testament, man. That ain't there. But what it does say is this stuff. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Those are the promises, and look around, man. It's exciting stuff, and, and John, his role from this point forward is a little different than he was thinking, right? He's in prison. It's a different situation than he was thinking, but God is doing what God's doing. And John wasn't wrong about who God was. John had some missed expectations about where this thing was headed, and then Jesus says this line that is such a, this is a Jesus line in the Bible. I mean, this is one of those things you can think about this for the rest of your life. And it's, it's fascinating. Jesus says, and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. What does that mean? Jesus is sitting here, and he's doing all this stuff. And he, he hears John's question. I, I'm going to say, hey, I think John's asking, why am I in jail, and you're the Messiah's not doing anything about it. And Jesus is coming back and saying, hey, you had some expectations that have not been wet, met. 
but blessed are you if you're not offended by me. And here's the, ultimately what's the most offensive thing about Jesus. I'm going to tell you today, because we talk a lot, and Jesus says this kind of stuff a lot. People can be offended by this. This message is offensive. The most offensive thing about Jesus is he comes and reveals God. Why is that offensive? What, that's offensive because if there's a re- revelation of God, I'm not allowed to make it up anymore. People really want to make God in their own image. Okay? And, and there's nothing new under the sun. This has been going on for centuries and forever. That especially even powerful people would say, hey, people like God. Well, let's kind of make God sound like he really wants what I want. Let's put God in our image and talk about God in these terms that make it very favorable to what I want. And all of us, no matter how powerful we are, we do that. In our own lives, we say things like, well, if God was really good, then he would fill in the blank. If God was really merciful, then he would. If God was just, then this wouldn't happen. And all of that is us crafting God into our image because Let me ask you, just real humbly, who do you think understands justice better, you or the one who created everything? So I don't know if God was really just, how would he be? I I don't know. I've got to submit and I've got to look for a revelation of who God really is. And Jesus comes along and it's the most offensive thing you could ever do. He says, no, God is like this. That's pretty offensive because what that means is all the other stuff you were talking about, you need to settle down. God is like this. And so Jesus is now saying, hey, John is face to face with this reality. John the Baptist is in prison looking at a God who doesn't match his expectations. And the word of Jesus is simple. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. I think that's like the Messiah way of saying, sorry, bro. Right? It would be awesome if my whole purpose and my mission included breaking you out of jail. Like that, oh, I'm with you. That would be awesome. But I'm telling you what Messiah is here to do is this other stuff. doesn't include that at the moment. And I just want to say, blessed are you if you're not offended by that. If you, can, if you can move past that and understand that I'm here to reveal who God is and I've got some certain things I've got to do and this has got to play out. It's not going to meet with every one of your expectations, but look around. Look at what you dreamed of, John. The poor are hearing the good news. The dead are raised. People are getting healed. Lepers are getting cleansed, John. This is happening. And part of it happening happens to include some circumstances for you that are really awful. Blessed are you if you're not offended with me. to go ahead and cut to the end, John dies in prison. He gets this answer, and he dies in prison. And I think about all of us in our journeys in this world, and there are things that we pray for and we ask God for, and he answers in our time. And there are expectations that we live with and that we carry that sometimes are never met in this life. And it's difficult. It's difficult to follow a God and declare a God who is good and kind and just and see that not only in your own life, but around the world. Amen? 
Who finds that difficult? But blessed are you if you're not offended with him. God is doing something and God is... Here's a, here's a crazy revelation. Let me point this out. God is saying, hey, good news is preached to the poor. And Jesus spends a lot of time around the poor. Right? Anybody read some? Jesus is loving the poor. Here's something I noticed. When Jesus leaves town, they're still poor. That's not fun. That's not a fun revelation. But that Jesus is not here to fix that problem. And he, he's calling us to do stuff for the poor. And he says all kinds of stuff about caring for the poor. That's not what I'm talking about. But Jesus is not here all to fix the circumstances. Jesus is saying, whatever the circumstances are, I'm here. I'm in the middle of that. John, I'm with you in prison. Look at what Messiah is doing. I'm with you all the time. And that is the revelation of who God is. Right? We start out here talking about you've got to hit refresh on who he is. You've got to come up with an updated version of who he is. And in your life, in your journey of life of following Jesus, it is about in every season, in every moment, being able to hit that refresh button and come up with a new revelation, understanding from this standpoint of who Jesus is. He hasn't changed, but you have. Your circumstances have. And so it's time to get refreshed on who God is from this moment. Right? We talk about life group, and I love life group. We're in a life group that is so fun. It's a group of people who are, we're all parents of young kids. And that's a lot of what we talk about. And the vision of our life group is we want to be really godly parents who raise godly children. And we want to thrive in this season of life. And it could be so easy to get together with a group of people like that and gripe and complain about how hard this is. Right? And just say, man, this, what are we doing? What is a three-year-old thinking? And we could share stories. We would go over time every week. But the vision of life group is we're going to come together. We're going to sit around. And we're going to talk about what are the challenges we're up against and how are we asking God to come into those places? And it's so life-giving for us to sit around with people in that stage of life and just ask together, who is God for this season? Right? And so many of us in our life group, it's funny, the group that got together, so many of us followed Jesus in college and, and it would be easy to go, man, it was, that was so fun. That was so easy. I had all the time in the world and there were no three-year-olds whatsoever. But maturity is taking old truth into new territory. JD's asking for a repeat. Maturity is taking old truth into new territory. God has not changed. You think about the most, the most fervent, zealous season of your life where you felt close to God. He is not one bit different from that moment. And what you need is not to go back to that moment. It is to bring that truth into this moment. And you think about who had a better, clearer revelation of God and how good and awesome he is. But John the Baptist, who baptized the guy, he baptized Jesus. He comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit's coming down and speaking. And John says, behold the Lamb of God. Who's ever been more clear about who Jesus was than John the Baptist at that moment? But guess what? Now it's a couple years later. He needs a refresh. You need a refresh. Revelation leaks, and it doesn't matter how much you had, you need to bring that into this moment. And that's, and that's what I love about how so much of how we worship here is we are declaring. And if you look back at so many of the songs we sung even this morning, we're just saying, this is who you are, God. We need that. God already knows, by the way, right? 
We need that. Our spirits need that to go, God is this. You are this in my life. You are always this. Because I've read that. I knew that. But I need to know that right now. God lives. God is present. God is here, right? He's not past. He's present. So I need to know who God is right now. It's not enough to know who he was. I need to know who he is. So here's what I want to invite you into this morning. I want to invite you into letting go of some why questions. Letting go of some circumstance frustrations. Chris Otts, who's the uh, campus pastor of the North Campus, he was here this morning. He was praying with me, and he said, God, and he didn't know much of what I was talking about. I knew a little bit. He said, God, I pray for people who are just stuck in unanswerable questions. I pray that you'd get them, let them out from being stuck in unanswerable questions. And why is an unanswerable question? And I want to invite you this morning to let go of your why and come with a who. And come with a Jesus. I want a, a fresh revelation of who you are. I want to know you, Jesus. Show me yourself, God. Not in this position. If you're one of those people, and I say that stuck in an unanswerable question, and you feel like that's me, it's okay. It doesn't mean you did something bad. It means you got there's circumstances in your life. This happened to John the Baptist. There's no condemnation for being stuck, but there's an invitation to come out of it. And I've got a new question for you that I'm telling you. I will. I'm telling you right now. You're going to get an answer if you come and say, "God, who are you? God, show me yourself." That's a question he loves to answer. And we want to do that this morning. We want to pray with you, surround you, and we want to ask God with you. If you're stuck in that unanswerable question, God, who are you? My circumstances are hard. I've got this. And you can lay that all at Jesus' feet. He wants to know it. He wants to be in it with you. But the question that's going to get you out of that mindset, out of that place that you're stuck, is a revelation of God. God, who are you? Show me who you are. Jesus, we invite you into this place as we seek who you are. I just ask for clear eyes in this place, God, that you would remove any barrier, any, any distraction, anything that would get in our way of seeing you for who you really are, Jesus. I pray for courage today for anyone who feels stuck. That they would have courage to ask a new question, God. Courage to listen for the answer, Jesus.